Welcome to From the Front Porch, a conversational podcast about books, small business, and life in the South. Only a fool would think that anything they've done was on their own, Tabby, Miss Gretchen said. Nobody makes it on their own, at least not anywhere worthwhile. Jane Allen, Black Girls Must Die Exhausted. I'm Annie Jones, owner of The Bookshelf, an independent bookstore in beautiful downtown Thomasville, Georgia. And today, Olivia, Lucy, and I are back with September's new release roundup. We're discussing our favorite newly released titles of the month, highlighting new books without overwhelming your maybe already daunting TBR list. Welcome back, guys. Hey. Hello. I'm so glad you're back. As a reminder, Olivia is our retail floor manager at the bookshelf, and Lucy is our online sales manager at the bookshelf, and they also do shelf subscriptions and young adult book club and all kinds of fun things. And each of our individual reading tastes will shine through in the books that we're highlighting today. I feel like it's a lot of books. September's a big old release month. Mm-hmm. It is. It feels like a lot of well-known author releases yes. this month. Yes. And I did. I've There are some really good debuts coming out, but I had a hard time I really had to work to narrow down. September and October are super big. They always are, but I still feel like we're facing delays from last, from COVID. Like, I feel like we're still playing catch up in the publishing world. So, okay, I'm going to start. We're going to go round robin. My first one is, Olivia, great segue. I should have really picked up on it. My first book is by very well-known author, Lauren Groff. Her book, Matrix, comes out on September 7th. I at first hesitated to put this on my list because I also think this is a Lucy-type book. Um, I I started reading it this week. I do love it. Um, I was worried. I kept putting... My copy is from Winter Institute. Like My copy is a Winter Institute ARC that I just now picked up because I've been nervous because I really loved Fates and Furies. I also liked the short story collection, Florida. Lauren Groff um, is a literary fiction national book award finalist. Like she is a stellar writer and I love what she does, but this does feel like a bit of a departure for her. So it is more historical fiction and like deep, deep historical fiction (laughs) set in medieval France. And it is about a young woman who becomes a nun against her will. And her name is Marie de France. And I looked her up and she is a, that is a real person, but I do not know this whole book is obviously fictionalized and some historical characters are true to history, but others have been wild, wildly fictionalized. The writing is so good. And what I have read thus far is a lot about coming to terms with where she is living with the faith of these nuns that this woman really doesn't hold. And so I think there's going to be a lot of themes that I typically am very much drawn to like faith and doubt and self-identity. I love it. Lucy, have you read this? Because I do think you will love it. I I started it and I it got lost to not going to be a shelf, shelf subscription pile, you know? Yes. <laughs> we were like, oh, never mind. Yeah. <laughs> I don't have time for this right now. But I have to say, I'm so sorry, but I am just not a huge Lauren Groff fan. Uh-huh. However, I did really enjoy the writing that I read. Um, I think I yes. read like three or four chapters. 
Um, yeah, yeah I, it is promising to me. It is something that I would definitely pick back up. Yeah. Like, I think I'm going to, so like you, I, I did not choose it for a shelf subscription. And so I think I'm actually going to finish this one though. And there are other books that have gone by the wayside that I will not pick up again, but I'm going to finish this one, I think. And I do think Lauren Groff is a fairly polarizing character, like Fates and Furies was either beloved by our customers or hated. I mean, I really didn't meet very many people who were ambivalent about that. <laughs> um, and I I loved it. But again, this was a departure and literary fiction, as much as I love it, has not been my genre of late. So I was nervous, but I really, the writing is is just flowery enough. So, it so I think I'm going to stick me, with it. It's giving me Hamnet vibes. Um, mm, you know, okay. Ma- Maggie O'Farrell, just this kind of like foray into the richness of historical fiction from somebody yeah. who is like known for this like emotional, you know, emotional lives of characters in their literary fiction. Yeah, yeah. I'm excited about it. Okay, Olivia, your turn. Okay, on a different note, um, <laughs> this is probably going to be my number one of the year, as as this author did it last year as well. This is TJ Klune's newest book out on September 21st. It's called Under the Whispering Door. And I think we all know TJ Klune by now from House in the Cerulean Sea, of which I was a huge <laughs> proponent. <laughs> um, and I will be again for this book. Um this is actually one of the ones I'm like most nervous about talking about because I want to do it justice. (laughs) (laughs) This is, he like put out house in the cerulean sea at the perfect time last year. We all needed something upbeat and that just had a spark of love in it. And that was perfect. And now he did it again, but on a different note where like, we are all now coming through the trauma of last year and we maybe just need a book to like cathartic cry too. Um, and that was this for me, (laughs) but this is essentially about a man, Wallace price who dies. He reminds me of elf's dad when he like tells the nuns that they like can't get the books anymore. You know, we all know that scene in elf. (laughs) Great. The children love the books. (laughs) (laughs) So like, it's like that type of character who just like grumpy makes a lot of wrong choices and then he dies and you see him in like a purgatory type situation where he gets sent to Hugo's tea shop. And Hugo is this like compassionate tea shop owner who just likes to help people justify and kind of come to terms with their life before moving on to the next place. And you see Wallace kind of freely turn his life around for the better. Um, It was so perfect. I think honestly, in my opinion, might be even better than House of the Cerulean Sea. It was beautiful. TJ Klune has the best character names. Honestly, like every time you say a character name, I just think it's the perfect, like I can picture the characters, even though I know nothing about them. Yeah, he's great. I like, can't <laughs> say enough about him. I love his work so much. It I think me, I'm going to give it a try. It makes me happy to see you so happy, Olivia. <laughs> <laughs> you you can thank so TJ. <laughs> he's kept me going these past two years. <laughs> Oh, two years, guys. Don't say it. Don't say it. <laughs> Don't do it. Um, okay, my first book is called Three Girls from Bronzeville. Um, it's a memoir-ish by Don Turner. Um, it comes out September 7th. And this is a really beautiful look into um, 
I don't know. I, I'm gonna, I can be specific and talk about her life as a young black daughter of a single mother, um, growing up in this neighborhood in Chicago, um, called Bronzeville that during her time, the project across the street from her takes just like a huge dive in, um, in terms of crime. And she kind of watches that happen to her neighborhood. And, um, she deals with issues of, you know, like her father is abusive and, um, she has this best friend who lives upstairs from her. Um, and then she has a younger sister. And so the story is the story of three different young girls and how they all react to the, the decisions that are made for them in their lives, but then how they also make their own decisions. And she becomes a really successful writer based on the decision she makes and the other two girls go different ways. And, um, I don't know, it just had me really thinking about, um, how we're set up to fail in some ways, how we're set up to succeed in some ways. Um, there's obviously a huge theme of race running through it and just really beautifully written to look at, um, three young girls lives, uh, growing up in the seventies in Chicago. I looked this book up because we had it in this week and I think I'm going to read this one. I, and I wonder too, if it'd make a good audiobook. Um, oh, I, think I wonder it if really she narrates would. it. I think yeah. it really would. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. My next one, speaking of good audiobooks, this is actually a book that I have started. I have the physical copy, but Erin recommended it to me because she listened to the audiobook and really liked it. So this is Fault Lines by Emily Itami. This comes out on September 7th. This is a debut novel. And I'm kind of picturing, and I don't know if I need to credit Aaron for this or not. One of us came up with this description, which I think is accurate, which is in Crazy Rich Asians, there is a great character named Astrid. And this book feels as if Astrid had her own storyline. So it's set in Tokyo, Japan. It's a woman named Mizuki who has to choose between two men. So almost themes two of Paper Palace, which I loved and is going to be in my top 10 of the year. In this one, Mizuki is happily you know, or at least satisfactorily married with two children, but her husband's, um, it doesn't, it's not that he mistreats her, but she is struggling with contentment in her marriage. And then she meets a man and befriends him. And I think is trying to decide which path do I take here? The writing so far is really unique. It's not really like I, in terms of themes, I think we're getting some paper palace themes, but the writing is not really like anything I've read before. It's, um, kind of snarky, kind of, um, short, choppy, snappy sentences. Like it really snaps on the page, which I think maybe why it makes such a great audiobook. I am very curious about this. I've started it. I'm a few chapters in and it's not too long. So if you're trying to read a debut, I think this would be a good one to try. This is Emily Itami's first book, and I think I think it's going to get some good reviews. So this is called Fault Lines, and it comes out on September 7th. All right. My next one is called Once Upon a Broken Heart. This is by Stephanie Garber, and it comes out September 28th. Um, and this is a break-off series from the Care of All series that she did that is has been one of my favorite YA fantasy series for like a while now. Um, and this is following Evangeline who is like this hopeless romantic. Um, and she meets and makes a deal with, um, the ace of spades. 
the Jack. Oh, no. That is not where I thought this I was going. It I up. was <laughs> I was fully prepared for you to say the devil. I don't know why. <laughs> would honestly would not be shocked from me. <laughs> Probably not far off either. <laughs> fully prepared, but instead it's a card. Like yes. a card? Okay. Yes. She she somehow did this amazing thing where she weaved in like these fates, um, which are like these godlike people, but they're from this like plain deck of cards. Um, so like they each have like a face card that they associate with. Um, and this is one of the ones who's like an evil character in the Caraval series, but now is kind of getting his own redemption arc in this one. Okay. Um, it was so good. I love the Caraval series. This is just as amazing. So if you read that, you will absolutely love this. And she's doing another trilogy with this one. So I'm super excited. Okay. Um, okay, I'm also skipping right to the end of the month, and I'm going to talk about Cloud Cuckoo Land by Anthony Doerr. It comes out on September 28th. This is, um, I mean, it's also one of those books where I'm like, I don't feel like any description can really do it justice, but it takes place in a bunch of different time periods, like four or five, maybe five time periods with sometimes multiple characters per time period. Um, and there's a lot of threads that get pulled together at the end, as you might imagine from Anthony Doerr. And um, they, they are pulled together mostly by this through story of this um, ancient Greek play that was written by, a, it, the play is fake, but the author is real, Antonius Diogenes. And you kind of follow the story of this play as it gets um, like found throughout time in the, I think 1495 mm -hmm. in Constantinople, it gets found by this young girl um, who translate it, translates it. And then you're in 1950s and then you're in the 1980s and then you're in 2020 and then you're in like 2140 something like the very oh. far future. Um, and each of the characters has an experience with this play. There's themes of like, um, I think he dedicates it to libraries and librarians and everybody who loves books. So, of course, anybody listening to this podcast, would, <laughs> would, uh, that would appeal to them. Um, but there's also themes of like environmentalism. And then just overall, he explores the things that connect us. Um, and I think it's, this is a good time to think about those things. Hmm. I don't feel like I'm going to convince anybody to read this book i feel like whoever likes anthony door is just gonna read it but um mm -hmm. it's just amazing i loved it how do you think people who are anthony door fans or who came to him through all the light we cannot see are going to like will they like this or is it like matrix by lauren groff is a little bit of a departure what is this um it's a little bit of a departure uh you have to be okay with extremely short chapters and a lot of bouncing around between um, time periods. So for me, that just meant it took me like 100 pages to get involved um, mm -hmm. because you know, you have like two pages of a certain storyline. And so you, mm -hmm. you're just like getting to know the characters extremely slowly. But then once you're in it, you have another like 500 pages. <laughs> really enjoy them. <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's a thick tome. <laughs> so I think- Olivia, are you going to read it? Yeah, I'm super excited yeah. about reading this one. Yeah, I'm trying to decide. Um, I'm trying to decide if I want to try it or not. 
but I just love Anthony Doerr so much. And the writing, his writing is so good. Yeah. I just I remember loving all the light we cannot see. And now that this one also takes part of the place in the future, I'm even more interested in it. Oh, you're I think it's, love that storyline. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I think it's going to be for Olivia. Yeah. 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 I'm a little concerned it might not be for me. I don't know. I don't know. I know. Lucy's face makes me uh, I don't know. I don't know. I'm not going to yeah. tell you to not read it, but definitely. <laughs> okay. Okay. My next one is one of my favorite books of the year. I'm hesitant to say what my favorite book of the year is yet because I just, I don't know. But this is certainly going to be near the top. This is also by a well-known author, Beautiful World, Where Are You? by Sally Rooney. Many people have already read Conversations with Friends or came to Sally Rooney through Normal People. And I know that Sally Rooney is another author for whom people have feelings. So some people really love her work. Some people really don't. I just to give people context, I loved normal people. I did not finish conversations with friends. So if that gives you an idea of um, what I'd like about her, I'm really drawn to her character development. And I think this is her best book yet. So the book features four friends, but it's really two women who are kind of at the heart of the novel. It's Alice and Eileen. And the novel is really epistolary in nature. So one chapter will be a letter between Alice and Eileen. And if Alice is writing the letter, the next chapter is about Alice. And then the next chapter is Eileen writing to Alice. And then the following chapter is about Eileen. So it kind of goes back and forth. I was never confused. I was never confounded by it. The rhythm of it completely made sense. And those epistolary chapters where they're writing letters back and forth are so lovely. Like I love an epistolary novel, but we don't in 2021 get a lot of modern letter writing. I don't feel like, but they're writing these really lengthy emails and missives back and forth. And I just love it. I love what people are willing to say on paper that they might not say in person. And so the conversations are having are really touching. As is the case with Sally Rooney, there is lots of sexual content. So I do feel like I need to give that disclaimer. Though Hunter and I like to talk at length, I think about a sentence that Lauren Groff stated, which is something about when sex is a conversation, that's when it's at its best in literature. And so I do feel like I am willing to kind of go through the sexual content in some of Sally Rooney's books because there is always a point to it. And there's always um, a conversation between these characters happening. There is also a lot about friendship and faith and coming of age, becoming who you are in adulthood, and then dealing with the world we've created and what mess we've made and but also the beauty in it too. I loved this book. I thought it was outstanding. It's my favorite one she's ever done. And I think at the end of the year, it'll be in my be in my top mm, two or three, at least. Um, so Beautiful World, Where Are You? by Sally Rooney out on September 7th. Okay, my next one is also a departure from a very well-known author. This is Pony by R.J. Palacio. Um, and it comes out September 28th. All the rest of my books come out the very end of this month. <laughs> um <laughs> This was this is from the author of Wonder and the Wonder series, essentially. But now she has gone and written a historical fiction Western about this boy named Silas, who, after his dad disappears with these um, uh, old school Western thugs, I'm going to call them. <laughs> um, Silas and his uh, imaginary friend Mittenwool go after his father on this horse that they left behind named that they end up naming pony. 
Um, and it is this epic adventure following Silas, who he meets along the way, um, coming to terms with his imaginary friend, Mittenwool. The ending ties everything together. It was so well done. Might end up in my top 10 because I just, it has been one of those where I continually go back and think about it. I mean, RJ Palacio's writing is just phenomenal to begin with. We all knew that from Wonder and now she does it again with Pony. I do think this is like 10, 11 and up. I actually think adults will like this story more than kids will, because it is really a story about finding love wherever you are. But it was so well done. Highly recommended. So I am going to pivot to nonfiction, Wildland, The Making of America's Fury by Evan Osnos, and it comes out on September 14th. Evan Osnos lived abroad for many years. He's, um, uh, among other things, uh, a writer for The New Yorker, and he moved back to America in 2013 and I think pretty much immediately moved to Washington, D.C., and reports on... Over a period of, I think, about six years, this kind of descent that American culture, especially American political culture, has um, taken into extremism and, like the title says, fury. And so he sets it between September 11th and um, January 6th, 2021, and he makes it really personal. He goes to three three locations that have meant something to him in his history. Greenwich, Connecticut is one, uh, somewhere in Kentucky, um, maybe, oh, sorry, West Virginia, um, and then Chicago. And what he does is he talks to just average people and um, asks them about the ways that their lives have changed during that time. And he kind of uncovers some of the roots of this um, bubbling anger um, and trouble in uh, American culture. And it's just a really extremely well-written and eye-opening account. And I really love how he makes it more personal. He doesn't actually set it in Washington, although some of those Mm -hmm. things bleed bleed through. Um, He is trying to talk to the people in in America and uh, and see the ways their lives have changed. Really, really good. Mm -hmm. Um, If you're interested in uh, contemporary culture, Uh, that's Wildland by Evan Osnos. Mm, That sounds good. My next one is A Play for the End of the World by Jai Chakrabarty. This also comes out September 7th. All of mine come out at the the beginning of the month. This is another debut. And what I find so interesting, it's a debut novel. And Jai Chakrabarty is like some kind of tech tech guru. Like he's, I think he works for Spotify or anyway, he's kind of been on the cover, I think of like Forbes magazine as a tech guy. Like that's his background. So I find it fascinating that he's written this book. So He's also a writer of short fiction. So you may recognize him from that. Like this isn't totally out of the blue where he he works for Spotify, but then in his spare time has written this beautiful novel. Um, he is He has written other things before. So this is, a, to me, a different kind of historical fiction. It's set in 1970s New York and India. And then you also get some flashbacks to World War II. Jarek is the main character and he is a survivor of the Warsaw Ghetto. And he's living and alive in 
1970s New York when he finds out that one of his childhood best friends has died in India of mysterious circumstances. So he goes back to India to kind of figure out what has happened to his to his best friend and, and what happened there. But all at the same time, there is... An, I really love this. I love how um, Matrix by Lauren Groff did this as well. But there is at the same time, the start. The book starts with uh, Jarek as a young boy in the Warsaw Ghetto performing a play. And this is true that this educator who, um, I, I believe he was a Polish educator, who helped school and educate children in the ghetto got them to perform this famous play that was written by an Indian playwright. And so they performed this play while trying to survive these horrific um, Holocaust experiences. Anyway, and so Jarek now as an adult kind of revisits this play. So that's kind of the through line. Um, I feel like, Lucy, you mentioned maybe it was the Anthony Doerr book that kind of just doing the same thing. I think of Station Eleven that kind of does something similar. So I really like this concept and I'm very curious about it. I started it and really liked it. I do think it's going to be a slow burn. So you have to be patient with it. But the writing is good. And I think the story is really going to be quiet but stunning. Um, It's A Play for the End of the World by Jai Chakrabarty. Okay, my next book is The Last Graduate by Naomi Novik. This is out yet again, September 28th. Annie's doing the beginning of the month. I will do the end. Yep. <laughs> Lucy's working on the middle. It's great. <laughs> we planned it that way. Yeah, totally planned it. Um, this is the second in the uh, Deadly Education series. And I am halfway through it right now and absolutely loving it. I was actually a little bit nervous to pick it up because series are always hard to follow when you have to wait a full year for the next one to come out. I think even a little bit extra with this one. Um, But it was so worth it. It just picked up right where it left off and you instantly remember everything. The writing is so well done. It is a dark magic novel. Like this is a school for people who are gifted with magic, but magic actively tries to essentially kill you all the time, every, every second of the day. And so these students are basically learning how to like survive through their school. Like it is known that like freshmen will die at the school. (laughs) It is so good. (laughs) Uh, But in adult series. (laughs) It is great, but definitely for grownups though. The, The main protagonist is Elle. She's like this, negative Nelly type character, very pessimistic, but she's like prophes- prophesized, prophesied, prophesized, prophesied, either one. There is a prophecy about her <laughs> <laughs> that says she's going to turn into like the, the darkest sort of magical being that there is. Oh. And so she's actively trying to fight this. So she just gets really frustrated all the time because like these tendencies come out, but she's like trying hard to stop it. Oh, interesting. I love her. It's great. Please read it. <laughs> well, Ingram calls that series the Scolomance series. I know. I didn't know how to pronounce that, so I never call it that. <laughs> is, that is there romance? There is a, a very reluctant romance. <laughs> Not his favorite kind. Yeah, I was going to say, which honestly just takes it up a notch for me. It was great. <laughs> like, she's like basically like, essentially boyfriend girlfriend with this guy but she also like kind of hates him it's great (laughs) Um, okay my next novel i have not read yet but i am really 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 looking forward to it um bewilderment by richard powers this is the uh author of 
the overstory. And it comes out, let's see, it comes out on September 21st. The description also a little bit reminds me of um, parts of Cloud Cuckoo Land. It's a widower and his nine-year-old son. The main character's name is Theo, and he's an astrobiologist. Um, and his wife was, I think, at like a um, ecological like um, lawyer uh, mm-hmm. or lobbyist, and she so she had this passion for animals, for the environment, and she dies in a um, car crash trying to avoid like an animal on the road, um, and so the the main character, Theo, and his son, Robin, are learning to live together. Um, but Robin has some pretty severe emotional um, problems. He's been diagnosed with a bunch of different things. And so they go in search of some neurological therapy, and they try this kind of cutting-edge um, neurological therapy. It's kind of tied in with the astrobiology aspect and with the the mother who's dead and it just looks like it's like a, a beautifully um wrought story about this relationship between this father and son um i really cannot wait to start reading this one a lot of indie booksellers i feel like i've been on you know some fall preview calls or whatever anybody who's read this book has loved it some people even have loved it more than overstory which is high praise i feel like mm-hmm. see astrobiologist that got me Olivia is interested. Uh, Okay. Beautiful Country by Chan Julie Wong. I think I'm predicting it now. I feel like this is going to be a Jenna Bush Hager pick. I think it could be somebody, I think it could be another famous person's pick, but I feel like this is right up Jenna Bush Hager's alley. If she would just let me be her personal bookseller, I think I'd be great at it. I have, I'm about three quarters of the way through this. Chen Julie Wong is a, she's an attorney and lives in New York. This is her debut memoir. I think there will be a lot of people who compare this to crying in H Mart. And I, I will understand that comparison. Um, but the writing is so different. And so, and I loved crying in H Mart. It, to me, this book is like crying in H Mart. If crying in H Mart had a baby with educated, I think beautiful country is the book that would pop out. Is that, is, is I that, just love um, book babies. Popping out. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like there should be a book babies podcast episode. Um, So anyway, (laughs) um, basically this is her story of her family moving to and living in New York from China and her kind of her being, I guess, second generation American and just watching her parents go from being relatively like well-known, well-respected, um, high-ish socioeconomic status in their home country and then moving to America for a better life for their family due to persecution in their homeland and then coming to New York and having to essentially start from scratch. And the way she tells that story is so profound and also eye-opening. But again, I can't quite explain what it is about her writing that makes it so different. I love a good memoir. I loved Educated. I loved Michelle Zahner's story as well. This is just a little bit different. Um, and the and the writing is so unlike anything I could really compare it to. Um, and the way she writes about her parents is really touching. Um, so I really like this one. I think it was supposed to have an earlier release than this. I think it was delayed a little bit. So this is Beautiful Country by Chan Julie Wong out on September 7th. 
Okay, my next one is the newest book by Kate DiCamillo, uh, out September 28th. This is The Beatrice Prophecy. Um, and this one, I think, is a little bit different than our other books because uh, Sophie Blackall did illustrations throughout it. And they're excellent illustrations. It was very delightful to read. Read like a, um, almost like a fairy tale type book, where like when you open it up, there's just this beautiful like outlines on every page. Um, really pretty to hold. But this is about a girl named Beatrice who had a prophecy about her. <laughs> that was a delayed laughter from you guys. And that was like <laughs> really funny, but okay. <laughs> you don't say a prophecy. <laughs> um, but Beatrice is essentially, this is like way back when times, um, when girls weren't allowed to be educated and her mom made a point to educate Beatrice and her two brothers. So she was the only girl that knew how to read and or write. And there's a prophecy that, that says she was going to essentially kick the king off the throne and put a rightful person up there. Mm. Um, and this is just Beatrice's journey through the world, finding new friends who like will help her and be her allies. And it was so well done. It was a really fun read. Sounds good. Okay. Another memoir type um, book, but also um, about racial justice. It's called Redeeming Justice from Defendant to Defender. My Fight for Equity on Both Sides of a Broken System. It's by Jarrett Adams, and it comes out September 14th. This is the story of a man who is accused of, um, I think, rape um, when he's 17, and he's sentenced to 28 years in prison. Um, mm -hmm. He was innocent, and he um, ended up uh, being released after I think 10 years, um, because he proved that he had not, um, received a fair trial amongst other things. His legal representation was paid by like how many cases he took and settled. So he just like wanted to settle things quickly. He wasn't going to stand up for him. And so after he gets out, he studies to become a lawyer um, and he eventually works with the New York Innocence Project. He becomes the first exoneree ever hired uh, to work for them as a lawyer. Um, and he talks about his own story, um, his time in prison, um, the inequity of um, Black defendants in the justice system. And um, then he talks about his journey as a lawyer afterwards. Um, and uh, just a really good, I think, addition to that literature. Um, fascinating to hear it from both sides of, of the um, of experience from as a lawyer and as the um, innocent person in, in jail. That comes out mm. September 14th. I want to read that. Okay, my next one is another majorly anticipated title. This is Harlem Shuffle by Colson Whitehead out on September 14th. This is a it is a departure from him. It is more of a probably more similar in tone and style to his earlier works. So if you're like me and you loved Nickel Boys or The Underground Railroad, this is going to feel like a departure. But if you're a fan of his earlier work, I think this will feel familiar to you. It is set in Harlem in the 1960s, so a little bit of a historical fiction as well. And it is this heist that takes place at this 
prominent kind of Harlem hotel. And the descriptions that he gives of the hotel are like, you can picture it in your head. Like, I, I feel like this was meant to be a movie. Like I could, I could picture this in my head. Um, so it's about this heist that happens at a hotel, but really the heist is over by like page a hundred. So this is not a heist novel per se. This is more the aftermath of the heist. So the heist takes place. And then our main protagonist is like, a pawnbroker or like he's, he owns this furniture store, but you realize he doesn't just own the furniture store. He also kind of sells stolen goods maybe, and has maybe kind of woven that into his business quietly. And so he's not quite the innocent figure maybe you're first presented with. And so the team that commits this heist comes to him asking for his help in hiding and or selling some of the stolen goods. So it's really about, um, your conscience and it's about human relationships and what we will do push come to shove the writing is standard colson whitehead like really well written descriptions are beautiful like i said you can picture everything so vividly and i really love the the portrayal of like 1960s Harlem, in particular, um, the hotel where the heist takes place. And this is really a character-driven novel. If you liked um, Deacon King Kong by James McBride, I think this would be right in line with that. Like, I think if you like that, you will probably love this book. So it is Harlem Shuffle by Colson Whitehead out on September 14th. Okay, my next book I think is going to make you guys all laugh at me because this is like probably one of the most Olivia picks that I have. <laughs> um, it's called Light from Uncommon Stars by Rika Aoki out September 28th. And this is a fantasy novel that has a lot of different things going on at once. Um, but I read this over vacation and I'm sorry, family, because I completely blacked them out to read <laughs> this book. It was... Oh my gosh, it was so good. Um, so this is about a girl, Katrina Wing, who is transgender, got kicked out of her house, and now is just kind of roaming around LA with her violin, uh, looking for a home to stay, kind of in between a bad home life, but also not a great place to stay when she found friends in LA. And then she is sitting by this like famous fountain and starts to play her violin. And this woman, Shizuka Satomi comes over, who is a violin master. And what we find out about Shizuka, and this is, <laughs> this is not a spoiler, but she made a deal with a demon. <laughs> there it is. There it is. <laughs> oh, just wait. She made a deal for her soul, essentially a trade for her soul, where in order to get back her soul so she can play violin again and like do performances, she has to deliver the souls of seven violinists that she trains. Um, oh. And so she starts to take Katrina on as her like seventh and final student. Amidst all of that is a woman named uh, Lan Tran, who is an alien and escaped to Earth <laughs> because there was a war happening in her galaxy. <laughs> I love it. Um, and she uh, like bought out and now runs a donut store in L.A. <laughs> It's like if if like it's like a Mad Lib come to life. Like it, <laughs> yes. like, and yet it somehow works. 
Oh, it really is. Um, and her and Shizuka start slowly dating and falling in love. And it's amazing. It's so good. I think this will be in my top 10, if not top five. I just, I love it so much. Young adult or adult? This is very much adult. Um, <laughs> very much adult. I realize this is also probably for just like a select couple of people, but I felt like my best chance to get this book sold was to put it on this podcast that reaches a lot of people. <laughs> so if you do want to read this book, please buy it through us so that I know I have reached someone. <laughs> if it just finds one person, you'll have done I'm your job. <laughs> so happy. <laughs> you know, it sounds a little bit uh, too, I feel like I'm getting Ursula vibes, like Little Mermaid, Ariel you know okay like, yes. yeah like a little bit of fairy tale I found out about this book because she was on a publisher interview with TJ Klune and they were both talking about their new books at the same time and I was like oh that makes okay. sense <laughs> okay got an arc loved it both of them killed it it's great okay <laughs> Wow. Good good month for you Olivia great yeah. Month. <laughs> yeah okay my next book is Mennonite Valley Girl, A Wayward Coming of Age by Carla Funk. It also comes out September 14th. This is a memoir that is exactly what it says in its title. <laughs> um, <laughs> it's a coming of age book. Um, it has very heavy 80s vibes and references. So if you're a child of the 80s, you will enjoy that aspect to it. Um Carla Funk is a Mennonite in, I think, British Columbia, Canada. Um, I was drawn to the title initially because I am now living in Mennonite country, Pennsylvania. <laughs> um, and so it, it was interesting to me. Um, I've been interested in kind of my husband's family's um, Mennonite background and their uh, spiritual journeys over the past generation. Um, and so Carla Funk... It feels um, trapped in her Mennonite faith and kind of asserts her uh, personal power as a woman um, in her teenage years. It's a coming of age. Um, it's good for um, fans of, she's not like, it's not quite like educated, but um, mm -hmm. women talking, Miriam Toes, that, that's probably what I would compare it to. Um, just a really fun kind of 80s memoir, but with that um, also like coming in age and religious aspect to it. Uh, Mennonite Valley Girl. Is that where the Valley Girl phrase comes from? Is it like clueless? Like I just picture like why it just sounds like, like is yeah. she from that? Yeah. She's not from the Valley. She's from, she's from okay. Canada. But yeah, I think that's okay. the reference. Yep. Okay. I was really hoping that you would pronounce her last name as Yunke, like Arrested Development. I understand it doesn't have the E. It doesn't have the E. Could have been fun. So close. We can pronounce however we want. Uh, okay, my last one is a book that I was so curious about because it has now, you guys will appreciate this. I don't know if anybody else will, but it was set for a paperback release for September 14th, has moved to September. I'm sorry, it was going to be a paperback August 31st, I think. And then now is a hardback on September 28th. So this is called Black Girls Must Die Exhausted by Jane Allen. The other interesting thing about this book, and I I think that this is true. I Look, I tried so hard. I dug deep. I think this book was already out, but I think maybe she self-published. Like, because a cover, like two different covers come up, two different release dates come up. If you go to Goodreads, there are reviews that are older 
And so I could not for the life of me figure this out. But I wonder then if you go to Jane Allen's website, she sounds like someone I would love to be friends with, honestly. But if you go to her website, it looks like she has done a lot of work in publishing and in educating writers, um, particularly writers of color. And so I wonder if she got the attention of publishers with maybe a self-published work or an independently published work. Um, and then they bought it. I'm, I'm just speculating there. That's pure speculation, but I just couldn't quite figure out the history of this particular title. However, very fun. So this reminds me a little bit of Lisa Cross Smith's book. I think it was This Close to Okay that I read earlier this year. This is the first in a trilogy. It is rom-com adjacent, but not entirely rom-com. It feels more like Oh, it feels more like group of girlfriends. And then there are some love interests as well. I've read the first couple of chapters. The writing is very fun. Um, our main character is like, uh, I want to say high powered, like um, television host, newscaster kind of personality. But she is headed to work after a doctor's appointment where she finds out that she is 30 years old. She's one of those people who's like planned her life out just so she's, um, she's turning 33 and her doctor informs her that she has like six months to have a baby, like, or she won't be able to have babies. And so she immediately panics because she's planned her life perfectly. And she's done, you know, by all accounts, this really beautiful job. And then in the first chapter, she also on her way to work, she's like putting her makeup on and she gets pulled over. And, um, she immediately begins to have like a panic attack because she's a black woman and she's being pulled over by a white cop. And the interaction that they have really sets the tone, I think, for the book itself in that the book is very uplifting and hopeful, but also does not shy away from the realities of being a person of color in America. And I really think this is going to I bet get a lot of buzz because it's, it's not entirely rom-com, but it is, it does kind of have some of those elements. Um, I also think people are just really going to like the story. Um, and I think it'll be fun to have a trilogy or a series of books. So this is black girls must die exhausted by Jane Allen out in hardback on September 28th. My last book is the first in a new series, a new YA fantasy series called beasts of prey by Ayana gray again out September 28th. Um, and this takes place on a fictional world of Lycasa, Lycasa, El Casa. I'm sorry. <laughs> um, it like you, it's honestly sounded like you broke just for a second. I maybe did. <laughs> I just went down that <laughs> hole. Okay. <laughs> Um, but it follows like several different characters on in this world where essentially there this town is being like hunted down by this prey called the Shatani, who has has been around for generations and finally it's been killing too many people, so they're ready to go take it out. But you see a couple different characters and their own journeys to headed towards capturing the shatani um it gave me very much like children of blood and bone vibes i'm very excited i'm like a quarter of the way through now but very invested in all the characters already so okay. very good okay my final book is called the heroine with an e on the end the heroine with 1001 faces um <laughs> this is by maria tatar and it comes out september 14th Maria Tatar is a Harvard professor of um, mythology and folklore, um, and she's written a bunch of books about um, classic fairy tales, um, Hans Christian Andersen, 
Um, and she is responding in this book to a famous book from 1949 called The Hero with a Thousand Faces by Joseph Campbell, which yes. famously described the hero's journey. I think he coined that term. Um, and she says, well, every example of a hero you gave in your book was a man. Um, and so she wants to say, like, what what is the female hero's journey? What is the heroine's journey? Mm. And it's really interesting. She connects it more with um, empathy and with social justice. Um, and she looks all throughout um, literature and folklore history, including all the way up to um, Little Women, Anne of Green Gables. She talks about Jurassic Park, um, Harriet the Spy. She talks about um, the girl with the dragon tattoo. Sorry, Amy Space right Jaw drops every single time. <laughs> no, it's, no, it's extremely wide um, ranging uh, exploration into what the heroine looks like in modern culture and how she differs from the traditional hero. I'm going to read this. I'm so excited. I, because, okay, at first I thought this was going to be an Olivia book. Like I can watch everybody's faces to see when we're intrigued and what the other person is saying. And so there's some, and there are trigger words, right? Like, so um, I was really into the Innocence Project, like the book Lucy was talking about. So like my face changed. Olivia, when when Lucy said uh, mythology, like Olivia like looked up, like, <laughs> what? Uh, and so I can just tell when we get excited and I thought, oh, this is probably going to be an Olivia book. But then as you began talking, I was like, oh, I think this is an Annie book. It, yes. Oh, I could see you definitely being interested in it. It is more <laughs> academic. Um, okay. Yes. Okay. I can do it. <laughs> I can do it. Oh, okay. What a well-rounded list, honestly. I feel like that's a wide range of literature coming out in September. Oh, yeah. All right. It's going to be a um, good month. It is going to be a good month. Okay. Thanks, everybody. From the Front Porch is a weekly podcast production of The Bookshelf, an independent bookstore in South Georgia. You can follow The Bookshelf's daily happenings on Instagram at bookshelfteville, and all the books from today's episode can be purchased online through our store website, www.bookshelfthomasville.com. A full transcript of today's episode can be found at fromthefrontporchpodcast.com. Special thanks to Dylan and his team at Studio D Production for sound and editing and for our theme music, which sets the perfect warm and friendly tone for our Thursday conversations. This week, I'm reading All of a Kind Family by Sydney Taylor. Olivia, what are you reading? <laughs> I'm halfway through The Last Graduate by Naomi Novik. Lucy, what are you reading? I'm also reading All of a Kind Family, but um, I'm reading The Whole Language, The Power of Extravagant Tenderness. This is by Gregory Boyle. Oh, love Gregory Boyle. Yes. If you liked what you heard on today's episode, tell us by leaving a review on iTunes. Or if you're so inclined, support us on Patreon, where you can follow along as Hunter and I conquer a classic, and you can participate in monthly lunch break Q&A videos. Just go to patreon.com forward slash from the front porch. We're so grateful for you, and we look forward to meeting back here next week.